0: morning. There's a, there's a camera here, and there's a camera here, and I'm looking at all of you. I'm excited to see you. Um, we are excited uh, here at Forest Town Church to be live streaming, and we pray that this would encourage you, challenge you, uplift you, and really help us to know and love Jesus better. It was about a year ago, um, last Christmas, uh, we flew as a family back to the States, to spend some time with my mom. My mom is 91 years old. She's about five foot nothing, and she is awesome. She still drives. I know, right? She's still going to the grocery store. She's still, you know, cutting the lawn, doing everything. She lives in her the same house that she's lived in for 50 years. And while we were back seeing my mom, uh, we got a phone call one day. She picks up the phone, and a guy on the other Line on the other side of the phone says, You've won a free car. She's like, Really? He's like, Yeah, you've won a free car. And we need your address to bring you the free car. And she's like, This is great. I'm so excited. And then the guy says, But you need to know that in order to get your free car, you need to send us $5,000. There's the government regulations mean that in order to, to, for us to deliver this free car to your house, you have to send us some money in the bank immediately. And my mom is a little bit like, I don't quite know what to do with this. Michael, can you uh, pick up the phone? So I get on the phone with this guy, and I'm like, so tell me more. Tell me more. And he said, yeah, it's a free car. He goes, you just need to send us $5,000. And I said, I said, well, hold on a second. How is that free? Tell me exactly how this is a free car if we got to send you $5,000. And he said, well, it's not, you know, it's because of the government and their regulations, we can't just bring you the free car. And finally I said, listen, what you're doing is wrong, okay? You are trying to take advantage of a 90-year-old woman who lives on her own and convincing her that she, she needs to send some random stranger she's never met in her life $5,000. What you're doing is wrong. You need to stop doing this. Of course, he immediately hung up the phone, and we never heard from him again, thankfully. And I thought, how many people is this happening to, right? Over and over again, people who are on their own, who are elderly, who are trusting, are being taken advantage of. Somebody is trying to to take as much of their money as they possibly can based on the fact that they're calling them and they don't know any better. Now, I thought about that, and I thought, what if this, you know, that, that frustrated me enough, but what if this was somebody who claimed to know and love God that was doing that? What if this was a pastor who was doing that? What if this was somebody who's supposed to know right from wrong That actually are supposed to know the Bible better than anybody, and they were doing it. They were taking advantage, widows. Well, guess what? That's exactly what's happening in this passage that we're going to read today from Mark. And we've been going through the Gospel of Mark. And if you're new, if this is your first time tuning into Forest Town, we are—we have been spending, you know, a long time going through the Gospel of Mark because it's, it's so important. And it gives us such a great picture of God and of Jesus. So if you're just getting caught up, all of these talks are online. You can go back and start from the very beginning with us. But we're in chapter 12. We're coming pretty soon to the end. There's only 16 chapters in Mark. And we're actually at Passion Week. This is the week where Jesus has shown up in Jerusalem. And at the end of this week, he's going to be arrested. He's going to be crucified. And then ultimately, he will resurrect. That's where we are. So we're in this place, and let me just give you a little context of what's happening. Jesus has just shown up in Jerusalem to adoring crowds, right? All these people are like, whoa, you know, Hosanna in the highest. He's here. We can celebrate. This is amazing. Jesus then, right after that, he goes to the temple where everybody is there to worship because they've come back for the Passover so this massive festival is going on and Jews from across the country have all shown up in Jerusalem and they're all going to the temple to worship. And he's frustrated and he's mad because they're taking advantage of foreigners who've shown up and they're, they're, they're selling them animals to, to, to uh, sacrifice and they're charging them outrageous amounts of money. So it says he cleanses the temple. He's in there flipping tables and he's got a whip and he's getting everybody out of the temple. He's like, get out of here. And then he goes back to the temple again the next day, and guess what happens? The religious leaders are all coming after him. He's got Pharisees and Sadducees, he's got the chief priests, he's got the Herodians, he's got everybody, including the scribes, and they're asking him questions, and they're saying, how how can you do this? On what authority do you have the right to do what you're doing and say what you're saying? And then they're asking him all these questions and hoping to trip him up because they're tired of Jesus. Matter of fact, if you read through the entire Gospel of Mark, you can start all the way back in chapter 2, where the religious leaders had decided at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry that they needed to kill this guy. They said he was blaspheming, and the punishment for blasphemy was death. So they had decided long ago, years ago, he needed to die. And they were waiting for the opportunity to do just that. So they came to challenge him. And Jesus is just parrying each of their challenges off one by one like no big deal. Whatever, whatever, whatever. The last one we talked about last week, John talked about it, that a scribe comes to Jesus and he says, what's the greatest commandment? Now you need to know that a scribe was considered an expert in what scripture had to say. Matter of fact, they were the experts. They weren't just people who wrote things down, but they were the ones that everyone thought, they know the Bible, they know the scriptures, better than anybody, right? So this guy comes to Jesus and he says, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, well what do you think the greatest commandment is? So the scribe says, well to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is like, you got it, you're, you're getting really close. To the kingdom, you're close. It's interesting that Jesus didn't say, you got it, you're in. He said, you're close. But then we go on into the next passage we're going to talk about today, and this is what Jesus says. This is to the same scribe and to the other scribes who were there in response. I got a lot of moving parts up here. Okay. Okay. He says this. This is um, Mark chapter twelve, verse thirty-eight. And in his teaching, Jesus has begun to teach uh, while he's at the temple. And it says, and in his teaching, he says, "Beware of the scribes." <laughs> wow! Right. It starts with that. The scribes are sitting right there. The Pharisees, the, all the people who are against him, are there, including a huge crowd of other people from all over, and they're watching all of this play out in front of them. Right. And he says, beware of the scribes. In other words, watch out for the scribes. Don't trust the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogue and places of honor at feast. And then he says this, verse 40. You ready? Powerful statement. He says, they devour widows' houses. They devour widows' houses. And for a pretense, they make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. This is like a boxing match, is what it is. They've been been hitting on Jesus, and now Jesus is going back. He's saying, All these guys who've been asking me questions, trying to trip me up, beware of them. Watch out for them. Don't trust them. Why? Because they don't care about you, they care about themselves. They wear their robes so they can sit in the front and they can have the the choice number one seats. They don't care about you. Matter of fact, they devour widows' houses. What does that mean? It means this. They put such pressure, such legalism to give everything you're supposed to give that widows, the most vulnerable, those with the least amount, end up losing their own homes. They end up begging on the street, or they end up becoming prostitutes because no one is looking after them. That's what these scribes do. That's what these religious leaders do. They take advantage of the weak, the vulnerable, just like this guy was doing with my mom. Now, here's what you need to know. This, and here's the irony, right? The scribe has just said the greatest commandment is to love your neighbor. Right? He's walked into his own trap. He has said it out loud for the world to see. The greatest commandment is to look after your neighbor. And then Jesus turns around and says, and guess what? He's not doing it. They're not doing it. Matter of fact, they're crushing their neighbor. And they're the experts in the law. Guess guess what? Here's what the law says. The law says to look after the widow. Throughout Scripture, throughout the Scripture that they know by heart, it says over and over and over again that there is a special place in God's heart for the widow and the orphan. I'll give you a few examples. In Psalm 68 It calls God the father to the fatherless. He's the father to the fatherless. He cares deeply about the widow and the orphan. He's looking after them. In Isaiah 117, it says, To defend the widow at all cost, to look after them. I love this one. In Exodus 22, it says this. This is is crazy. Read this for yourself. It says this. It says, if you don't look after the widow, this is the Lord talking, this is God talking, if you don't look after the widow, then I'm going to come with a sword, and I'm going to make your wife a widow, and your children will lose their father. In other words, this is so important to God that he is threatening their very lives if they refuse to look after the widow. That's a powerful statement, folks. You were supposed to be looking after her. You're supposed to be looking after all the widows. Deuteronomy 14, if you can go back and read this, Deuteronomy 14 says that they were to take a special offering for the widow and the alien and the orphan. God's heart was that they would never, ever go hungry. They would never be in a position... That they were about to lose their home or about to never have anything to eat to die. That is the way God set it up. And these scribes, the experts in the law, know this. They've read it. And they ignore it. They justify having their nice long robes, being at the front of the feast, the best seats in the house. could care less about what happens to these widows. They are just a pawn in their game to control and to keep power. That is the context that we're in. That's what's happening. And Jesus says, beware of the scribes. Stop idolizing these people. Stop listening to them. They're hypocrites. They say one thing and they do something completely else because they care about one thing, themselves. They don't care about you, and they don't care about widows. But the, matter of fact, God, Jesus would simply say this. You can see how much somebody loves God by how well they take care of the most vulnerable people. Right? That's what he's saying. If somebody says they love me, and they're ignoring the poor, They're ignoring the orphan. They're ignoring the widow. They don't love me. They love themselves. They love comfort. They love power. They love money. It goes on to the next part. And this is the part we know the best. Then, after after saying this, it says, Jesus sat down opposite the treasury. I love this. Jesus is watching people give their tithes, their offerings. And he watched the people put money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And how would you know that? Well, you can see people giving, and they're putting them into these receptacles, these coins, that if you gave a lot, would make a lot of noise. You could, almost, you could show off in front of everybody. You know, somebody would put one coin in it would kind of go clink. But the rich people would show up and be like, clink, 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 clink. And they would show off. Check me out. Look how much money I've got. And Jesus is watching this. And he's watching them give their tithe, right? Tons of money from the rich are going in. And then this is what happens. poor widow, verse 42, a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which made up a penny. The amount of money she put in was one sixty-fourth of a day's wage for a man. It was almost nothing. And he called his disciples to him. He said, come here, come here. And he said this, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. She's put in more than all these rich people. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty, and has put in everything she had, everything she had to live on. Now, a lot of times when this passage is taught, the focus is on the widow. And the focus is on how generous she is, and I totally understand that. But to be honest, that's really not what the passage is about. She's an example of the abuse of the religious leaders. The last thing this woman ever needed to do was feel the pressure to give her last coins away. Right? I mean, think about it. There are rich people pouring coins into here. And those coins that are in there are for her, to take care of her. And yet they're not making it to her. That's the juxtaposition. That's the picture Jesus wants us to see. Look at all this money in there. And yet somehow that money stays with the wealthy and never makes it to the people who it was designed to help. These rich people don't need help. They're giving out of abundance They have more than enough. And yet you have this woman walk in who is obviously a widow, right? She walks in on her own. She looks like she has nothing because she doesn't. She's trying not to be noticed. She's just trying to show up and give a little bit. And she gave everything she had left. Is generous? Yes. But really not the point of the story. She's there to remind us of what we're supposed to be doing and pointing out what we aren't doing, at least the religious leaders of the day, what they weren't doing, which was taking care of her. Again, if we're not taking care of her, then what are we doing? What's the point? That's what Jesus is commenting on here. Don't. Trust the scribes. So I thought about it and I prayed about it. What does that mean for you and I? Well, I think, it's, I think it's really, we need to ask two questions. Who are our widows today? Who are the people that we're supposed to be taking care of today? And what is the message that we want to send to them and to the world? Right? That's, that's what I got out of it. Who is our widow today, and what is the message we're supposed to be sending? Now, in the Gospel of Mark, there's one verse, one verse that really wraps up the entire gospel. It's, it's Mark's thesis of what he's writing about throughout the whole gospel, and it's Mark 10:45. And Mark 10:45 says this: "The Son of Man did not come to be served." but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for the many. That sums up all of the gospel for Mark. The Son of Man did not come to be served like the scribes who want to be served, but he came to serve. His expectation was that we were to be servants to those in need, to look after people. Our audience today is the widow and the orphan, but it's also the people who have, are alone. It's folks who've been divorced. It's the single moms, the single teen moms. It's the homeless. It's the alien, the refugee. It's the folks who are struggling with mental illness. It's the folks who have special needs. There's so many people out there who are feeling alone, who are feeling helpless, who are feeling hopeless and those are our widows. Those are the folks that God says, if you say you love me and the most important commandment is to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind, he says then love your neighbor as yourself, take care of the widow and the orphan and the single mom and the refugee and the folks with special needs. All of these folks exist today right here, right here in England, right here in the UK. There are more people getting food from food banks than we can imagine. There are homeless people all around us in these wealthy cities, right? Incredibly, we're, we're in one of the most wealthy countries in the world, and yet we have homeless people. We have people who are caught up in sex trafficking. We have people who are prostitutes. We have people who are who are struggling to make ends meet in our country. And God says, if you say you love me, what are you doing to take care of these folks? The world will know you love me if you are taking care. Matter of fact, in Matthew, he says this, what you've done unto the least of these, that's what you've done to me. Right, so here's our audience is all of those folks. And here is the message. The Son of Man did not come to be be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for the many. Here's the message. Everybody's included. You're all invited. And there's freedom, and there's hope, and there's family, and there's love knowing Jesus. And the people who love Jesus and know Jesus love you. That's the message that we're sent into the world. You are not on your own. You are not alone. The people who know and love Jesus around this world want to help you, are here to serve you, to sacrifice for you. Our tithes, our offerings, they're for you so that you can know Jesus and have freedom and hope and joy in your life. No one should feel alone. No one should feel like this widow felt all by herself. In the midst of remembering the sacrifices that have been made for us so that we can live in a free country, We must remember to sacrifice for those who are struggling in this free country, who need help. This Christmas, as we are with our families, I pray that we would think, Lord, use me however you want. If there's somebody who needs a blanket, help me to get them a blanket. If there's somebody who needs a phone call, a ride, if they need me to go to the grocery store and pick up groceries for them, if they need something, just a chat, that I am available so that no one feels all alone the way this widow felt. That's the challenge. That's the burning passion that Jesus had for this widow and for all widows and orphans and those who feel alone. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to respond with one more song from the band. And I pray that as we're singing, that God will bring to mind to all of us, what is my response to this? What am I going to do about it? Let's pray. God, we thank you for this passage that Mark gave us to remind us. We are to take care of the widow and the orphan and the refugee, and those with special needs, those struggling with mental illness, those who are isolated, those who are all alone. You were very clear, Jesus. You said, if you do something for them, you're doing it for me. God Almighty, give us the courage, the clarity, the conviction to move into a place that maybe is a little bit uncomfortable. But it's a place that we need to go because we want to be light and salt to the world. And it starts by taking care of those who are vulnerable, who are hurting, who are all alone. I pray you put that passion in our heart and we never let it go. We love you, Lord. We give this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.